Welcome to the PMPA's Speaking of Precision podcast featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller, David Wynn, and Miles Free. Hi, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA's Speaking of Precision podcast. Carly Kistler-Miller and David Wynn have joined me today, and we are going to discuss the onshoring weather report, strong tailwinds for precision machining. Welcome, Carly. Welcome, David. Thanks, Miles. Thank you, Miles. Wake up, Dave. Come on. What? We're talking what? about onshoring. It's going to be good stuff. <laughs> it must be five <laughs> minutes after the hour. It's a weather report. <laughs> weather wow. On the nines. You just dated yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it weather on the nines? Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, weather on the nines. That's what Weather Channel does. If you've got the local one. I haven't had local TV in a long time. <laughs> I've been on streaming totally for a long, it's been probably five years now. Yeah, I cut the cord a while ago too. But back to our onshoring report. Talk to me, Miles. What are we learning? What are we seeing? Ma manufacturing, manufacturing is thriving. We just did our business trends report. Second best year of our business trends report ever. We had a December that was you know, the highest second ever. <laughs> December ever and uh, like 11 percent above the five year average for December. So where's all this good weather coming from? Where's all this sunshine? I want to make the case that it's because reshoring <clears throat> the material, the jobs are coming back to us here in the States. I love it. So if you're going to make a case and I know you pretty well, you got some data behind it. I might have a little bit of data to share. Share away. What do you got? Well, uh, let's talk about is there an opportunity to even do this? And according to Deloitte and the Manufacturing Institute, over the next decade, they forecast a need for 4 million, 4 million jobs in manufacturing and probably over half of those will go unfilled because we just don't have so workforce. four million in addition to what we already have or four million total yes yes, yes. holy cow we will need another four million that's a lot and in manufacturing that's like i just looked this up because i had to know that's like a 30 percent increase in manufacturing labor overall we yes. have a deficit already, and they're saying we'd only be able to fill half of those right. new ones. Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay, so, lots of opportunity. Yeah, there's lots of opportunity. And then, so to make a case, like there should be support for each fact should kind of build on each other, right? New private construction for manufacturing is... Uh, you know, parabolic. I, I don't want to say hockey stick, but parabolic My, lately. You and your $1 words. $1 <laughs> words. I, I upped it from 25 cent word because, you know, inflation. Okay. So, so explain at, that to at me. At any rate, at any rate, the Federal Reserve tracks an indicator called investment in construction of new manufacturing facilities. And total private construction spending for manufacturing in the U.S. was $18.867 billion, billion with a B, 
in October of 2023, an all-time high. Wow. So that's an all-time high in October. Yes. And when you look at that chart, that's a pretty stark increase. For, you know, over the last three years, it's just steadily been going up. Yeah, it looks like the Amazon chart, right? <laughs> Amazon from day one, flat, 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 zoom. I'm still so mad I didn't get in on that because I watched the whole thing. Anyway, so that's that's a lot more jobs. That's where a lot of the jobs are coming from than you're thinking. 30% more well, jobs. 30% more. But here's here's the caveat for our listeners. Listeners, you're getting... You're getting a, a hot tip first. They're going to be looking for people with experience and skills. That's going to put pressure on you to retain your best people because that new building down the street, they're going to have a sign up saying now hiring. That's right. Retention is key. Work on your culture. Yeah. You see that happen a lot of times. You get a brand new Toyota plant in town, and they're paying well above what average wage in the area is, and then they start stealing talent. Wow. Great for the people. Tough on the businesses, the yeah. local businesses, though. Yeah. That's why you got to build it a is. place that people don't want to leave, that your performers right. want to stay it, at. It's culture. We, we talk about culture, and it's about culture, not the coffee. It's the culture. Well, and it's well known that people don't leave jobs. They leave bosses or people. Like yeah. Usually they took that job because it's something they want to do. But if they're in a place where they're unhappy or not getting along with people, et cetera, which is part of the culture, then more money and a chance of a better culture is a pretty nice dangling carrot. That's, that's the best explanation of that fact I think I've ever encountered, Carly. Well, thank you. You know, I always said it's, you know, you leave based on the management, not the job. But I think you covered that really well. So, uh, but, I mean, that's only two facts. We need to do better if we're going to convince people. I know you so, will. So let's talk about foreign direct investment. And I'm going to start with a quiz. David and Carly, what is the United States' largest automotive export brand? Toyota? Probably Tesla for export brand. BMW. Really? Okay. BMW, BMW. in the Carolinas. They went into Carolinas. They thought they got, people thought they were selling them up. Uh, a bill of goods. So BMW makes these cars, they export these cars, they build them here, and they use, they, they bought, there's, there's a landfill, and BMW actually captures the methane from the landfill to heat their paint shop. No way. Way. Oh, my way. gosh. If you look up BMW foreign direct investment, you know, at, look for that. That's one of my best case studies in the MBA program. The students roared. They couldn't believe it. Yeah. They, they couldn't believe it. So that's what we're talking about when we say foreign direct investment. And in the United States, for manufacturing alone, the BEA, Bureau of Economic Analysts, said that for manufacturing, it was $5.25 billion 
in 2022. Trillion, wow. right? Trillion. Yeah. 5,254 billion. So it's 5.25 trillion. Yes. Right. Trillion with, with a T. T. Yeah, with the T. Yeah. Whoa. Capital T. <laughs> well, who did I? I just sent you guys an article about the electric vehicles. Who? What company was that? They're investing $5.1 billion. Oh, that's Toyota. They're putting a yeah. battery plant that in Tennessee. It is Toyota. I I saw, putting I, it in yeah. Tennessee. Is it in Tennessee? I thought they were going to Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Oh, it could be okay. Kentucky. They, you know, they both make great whiskey. Same maybe. state. You know, it doesn't matter. Is that, <laughs> they are not the same state. But I could see where Miles could confuse it with the whiskey bourbon thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, the uh, trade.gov had a report that I saw and, and quoted that said more than 2.4 million jobs in the U.S. are supported by foreign direct investment. Whoa. That's a lot. Now, let's go back to that very first, first fact I gave about 4 million manufacturing jobs needed. Yeah. And how over half of them, 2.1 are expected to go unfilled. And foreign direct investment is 2.4 million jobs. Hmm. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think so. I think <laughs> that's a, 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 it is a fact that supports the warrants. Yes. So how about another fact? Who remembers not being able to get stuff during COVID lockdown? Toilet oh. paper, anybody? Toilet paper? <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about that the other day. We actually had a, a, I met somebody in a parking lot to give them, a friend of mine, to give them toilet paper. That's how desperate people were. But if you're talking about materials for the shops, I remember somebody flying in material because yeah. they needed it so badly. Supply chain? Yes. Supply chain vulnerabilities. Nightmare. Why are we buying on a just-in-time basis when we live in a just-in-case world where, you know, just-in-time is perfectly calibrated for a world where there's no hurricanes, earthquakes, stock strikes, Houthi attacks, you know. I mean, shipping, it's just crazy. It is crazy. That's a great line, crazy. by the way. Buy local. Just-in-time... Yeah. Just World, no, just in case, or just, just in, time in time world, planning. whatever yeah. you said, I'm going to play it back. It was awesome. World. <laughs> it was just, awesome. Just got it. All right, so supply chains and and along that weren't the container costs. Oh, that's exactly cool. right. Trying to buy fireworks that year, 2020 fireworks. Oh, wow. That was one of the most expensive fireworks years ever. Well, right now, the rates for shipments from Asia to North America's East Coast climbed 55%. Whoa. Oof. Right now. Not even right now. Right, no, now. no, right now. Right, because of the Red Sea issue, the Suez Canal. Oh, yeah. You know, West Coast prices jumped 63%. Yikes. Yeah. Make it a lot easier to just do it here. So, well... You think about it, today's consumer is already stretched, right? Right. We've, we've dealt with, you know, they say inflation has come down, but our grocery bill hasn't come down. The rate of increase may have slowed, but we still got our pocketbooks 
really challenged, severely challenged by inflation. We can't pay more. Just because it costs more to get it here, we can't, we can't pay more. So it's going to make sense to, you know, produce goods locally and not have that extra additional sea freight increase burden of 55%, 63%, whatever it is. There's no good reason to buy a world away when we can do it here. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Another... It cuts out the risk in the supply chain, too. Not only is it cutting cost, it cuts out the risk because you, we live in the just-in-time world, and if you need it closer to be just-in-time, you got to be decentralized and local. You know, David, one of, my, one of my touchstones is intelligently managed risk, and by golly, you hit it hard with a hammer. <laughs> you, you nailed it. That's exactly right. So how about one more fact? How about what our customers are saying in the boardroom. Oh, that's important. So our shops sell to companies that are listed on the stock exchanges, their manufacturers, their large cap. We're like micro cap if we were cap, but we're not I wearing wear a cap. cap. David's wearing a cap. <laughs> <laughs> David's wearing a cap, we're wearing headphones. But uh, in the earnings calls, in the earnings calls, uh, they've been, you know, one of the, somebody was keeping track of the uh, mentions of reshoring or friendshoring or nearshoring, or and uh, th those those have uh, gone up considerably, a hundred and twenty-eight percent. Wow. Uh, over year over year, a hundred and twenty-eight percent. So the decision makers are talking about it. They, they are. They're, you know, uh, as, as David mentioned, you know, they're they're about minimizing risk. They yeah. want to minimize costs, but they want to minimize risk, and they're held accountable. It's public. They've got to take these earnings calls. And folks, we're working on bringing it home. Yeah. Well, the cost of not selling is far greater than the cost increase from anything that might change from manufacturing. Yep. So. So that, that 128, 128%, though, that's just one analyst listening to those calls. Mm -hmm. The conference board actually said that the mentions of nearshoring, reshoring, and onshoring in earnings calls and conferences are up 1,100% since the start of the pandemic. I don't think I've ever heard of a percentage that big. <laughs> I've never used commas in percentages, not even in Germany. Wow, 1,100%. 1,100%. You convinced, Carmen? I am convinced. You have David? convinced me. I, I was going to say, I think it's time to convict, sir. <laughs> yeah, well, we can. We've got one more, and that's what's going on in China. And China is not thriving in the manufacturing and economic space these days. No? No, they have real estate crises, you know. They Stock market crisis. Down. Stock market is down. They, they, uh, <laughs> they uh, just replaced the head of the Shanghai Stock Exchange Ooh. with a guy whose nickname is broker butcher <laughs> from the last crisis that guy handled. So I, I, I mean, it's just, 
Wow. Well, then going to China is no longer that that deal, right? Well, it's 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 been an economic miracle, and we all marveled at its growth, and it was you know wonderful. But China's share of global GDP has shrunk for the first time in almost 30 years. Really? Really. Wow. So it it fell for the first time in 30 years? Three zero yeah, years. Well, 20, 29, yeah. Oh, well. 29 okay. to be exact. He said I'll give you a roundup. It's <laughs> yeah, a lot. Thank you. It's still three decades. So <laughs> right. that's, that's very telling. Yeah. So uh, I said at the beginning of this uh, podcast that I'd like to make a case that there were strong tailwinds for U.S. manufacturing and for our shops. And I think we've talked about the opportunity for employment, the new construction that confirms there's going to be a need for talent in our shops, foreign direct investment, which has created as many jobs as we're not going to be able to fill, uh, supply chains and shipping rates, the boardroom sentiment from our customers, and what's going on geopolitically. I think I made a case for strong tailwinds for onshoring manufacturing jobs. I think you made a strong case for your strong tailwinds. It's getting awful strong in here. It's pretty strong. And that wraps up today's podcast on onshoring weather report. Strong tailwinds. Thank you for joining us. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org, where you can find our knowledge centers filled with articles, webinars, more podcasts, and other resources for precision machining. Yes, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss one. Plus, check out our Speaking of Suppliers podcast, where we talk to PMPA technical members and learn how they can help our shop. And if you aren't already taking advantage of a PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org and learn how we can help you thrive. And why is a PMPA membership important, Miles and Dave? Because, because we, we are, are better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision.